Welcome back to another edition of the Tennis One podcast in the Tennis One app on YouTube and on Spotify. Patrick and I are back. We've been gone, you know, the last few weeks, done some travel for the Tennis One app, so we're happy to be back. We have a fun podcast episode for you guys, something a little bit different than we've done in the past, so we're happy to be back, and I'll pass it over to you, Patrick. Yeah, good to be back, Madison. You know, I was, I was in Miami and you were in Charleston, so we've uh, we've been gone a little little while here, but we're ready to get back into the podcast game here. This is always a, a highlight of our day, so yeah, we're uh, like you said, we're going to do something we haven't done so far. If you work at a company or something, a lot of times people talk about Q1, Q2, Q3, the dreaded, you know, oh, we got to hit these numbers and that's that's how it works. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Q1 for tennis because that is the first three months of the year. And it's it's kind of, you know, it's a hard court swing, right? So the first three months, usually with Australia, and then you've got the two two big masters at the Sunshine Double that are hard court. So we want to kind of just recap where everybody sort of landed and uh, what what we thought were basically the top three winners for the men and the women in terms of on court. And then after we're going to do a little fun, which apparel brands won the first three months of the year, because tennis apparel usually comes in sort of quarters as well, you know, uh, or they'll, they'll talk about spring, summer, fall, winter. That's another way tennis apparel likes to talk about, but yeah, we'll, we'll the talk seasons about seasons of tennis apparel. Seasons of tennis apparel, and uh, and then you're definitely going to want to stick around for this at the end of the show. I should say the second half of the show is going to be comparing today's tennis players to the discography of a very famous music artist who we will not name right now because you're going to have to come back <laughs> later. It'll probably be in the title of the episode. Who are we kidding? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about that at the back half of the show. So should be a fun one. Let's, definitely lots lots of fun topics so for sure so we'll jump into which female tennis player did we think won the start of the year we're going to do our top three so madison and i will go back and forth madison why don't you start with your number three yeah so this is a tough category because there's a lot of women who are doing really well um so i picked this player in the third spot, just due to her consistency for the year so far. And I chose Elena Rybakina making the final at the Australian open, making the final in Miami, winning Indian Wells. She's, she's playing so well right now. Really fun to watch. We know last year she won Wimbledon, but didn't get the points for that. So her ranking actually should be higher than it is. So I feel like you know, she's kind of re re holding on to that, redeeming herself and continuing to just put up these consistent results. And we've seen that thus far. So excited to watch her the rest of the year. So she is my number three pick. Yeah. I mean, I think she's number seven in the, let me look at the tennis one app. I think she's number seven in the rankings right now, which, you know, is still not as high as she should be. Right. I mean, she should be right top, a top three ranked player. Yep. Number seven still. So that, that will change if she keeps putting up these consistent results. But yeah, she's definitely got to be in the top three. I had Petra Kvitova coming in at number three, fresh off a, a Miami Open title, the first time she's ever won in Miami. She's uh, she's won a lot of titles and, you know, she's 33. So she's she's been on the tour quite a long time and has won a couple, couple Wimbledons. But yeah, just really cool to see her still doing it. You know, she talks about how she 
doesn't think of longevity as like she's always playing her best tennis for this long of a time, but more that just the fact that she's here. And and frankly, you know, she had this really scary incident where somebody broke into her house and like stabbed her on her playing hand. So the fact that she is uh, still playing at 33 and winning masters 1000 titles. I mean, for me, she's got to be in the, in the top three conversation for who won the start of the year. Um, and she's back into the top 10. So really cool. Um, you know, she had a, a good result also at Indian Wells, even before Miami mm-hmm. coming back against Pagula, she was down like four match points, I think, and, and pulled that one out. So that was cool to see. Uh, so yeah, Petra, she can, she can win on any given week. So it was, it was cool to see her, uh, win that one and yeah, got her number three. So. That's a good one. And, and you had a great interview with her down in Miami. She's just super personable and just very bubbly and, I don't know. She's just really cute. She's right. She's really nice. It, it was funny after she won the Miami open, the masters, this might be the only masters that has like this level of musicians performing on site, but they had cool in the gang performing love it. like in front of the stadium, right after the women's singles final. So for all the fans that were like walking outside, Oh, here's like this legit, you know, this band that everybody knows playing, and of course, they had to have Petra come out onto the stage as they played Celebrate, which, you know, <laughs> Celebrate Good Times. Good like, times everybody knows on. that song. So, you know, she comes <laughs> out of the trophy and she's a really good sport about it. I think she's a, a little, I don't know, you know, when, when you get put in situations, you know, like super, super comfortable with, you know, but she's, she's very nice and she did it and it was, it was great. So. <laughs> Yeah, go back. Be a music star after her tennis career is done. You never know. Yeah, hey, even at 33, there's a first for everything on the on the WTA tour. So that is true. Love it. Love it. Okay. So for my number two player, um, I took Iga Spiontek just because she's still currently world number one. I know she hasn't, you know, she didn't have the result that she wanted in Australia. She's still playing well. She made the semis in at Indian Wells, or was it the quarters? I can't remember now. Been, uh, Indian Wells, I believe it was the semis. Let me. I, th- I think it was. We'll check. We have an app that is a. Um, <laughs> it's an encyclopedia. I'm like this. ninety. You know, we've got. There a, we go. So, uh, yes, semis. She lost her. Okay. There we go. Yep. So she put up a good result that I know it's really hard to defend your title, especially at masters 1000 tournaments. So she played really well. Uh, she's another player that's consistent. Obviously we know she withdrew from Miami due to injury. So, um, just keeping her number one ranking because of her results last year, she's just, she's one of those players that you can never discount and she'll have, I feel like she has big results at most every tournament and excited to see what she can do on clay. For sure. She's gonna, we know that's her strong suit. Feels like she's going to have a good Q2. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. She, yeah. She won Doha, <laughs> uh, after yeah. kind of, you know, didn't have the results she wanted in Australia, like you said, and then she made the final in Dubai, uh, in Dubai. So still really good results for the world. Number one. And uh, yeah, like I said, this is, this is uh, her time of the year coming up. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I had number two. I had Elena Rabakina at number two. Yep. Uh, just 
yeah, like she got to the the finals of the Austra- uh yes, Australian Open. She got to the um finals of the Miami Open and she won Indian Wells. So she's she's probably having, you know, well, besides who I have at number one. I would say on paper, <laughs> Rabakina is maybe having the second best results of the year and, and consistent results. And so that's good to try to get her ranking up to where it deserves to be. And uh, yeah, she's just, I don't know. She's, she's, uh, I mean, she has two wins over Sviantec this year. You know, she beat her at Indian Wells and then she beat her at um, the Australian Open in the round of 16. So yeah, I think uh, she's, she's just a, a player to to watch out for. And then, yeah, we were, we were kind of, you know, talking about like her coaching, um, you know, she, she gets coached hard by her coach and she kind of got <laughs> called out for it by Pam Schreiber at the Australian open. But then she's like, no, Pam, this works for me. I like how he, you know, motivates me. And, and I actually saw some of that in Miami, like during a rain delay and, uh, Rubakina was down in the match and then, come, you know, gets this talking to. Uh, it's almost it's almost like a motivating pep talk more than anything it seems like for her but uh yeah she came back came out won the match and ended up making the finals of that tournament so yeah she's she's i don't know she, speaking of nice people she is like maybe the nicest person <laughs> one of my friends was like with me when i was uh doing this interview with her and she, she was just like wow she just looks like the nicest person that there ever was so she's so sweet and so like reserved yeah and just kind of quieter for how powerful she is on court like her personality is definitely different than that so yeah 100 i don't know if you saw kokonakis <laughs> tweeted something about her i gotta look at exactly what the tweet was Cause he said something, something about her being like the nicest girl ever, you know, in a tweet. <laughs> next thing you know, everybody's accusing him of like, are you taking a crack at her right now? Like, are you shooting your shot? Oh. Like, you know, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he quickly said, no, no, no. I was just saying, she just looks like a really nice girl, but I'm just uh, trying to compliment. Exactly. Oh, but, well, she is, she's a gem. That's for sure. No doubt. Okay. All right. So yeah, top picks. I am taking Miss Arena Sabalenka just because she finally gets her Grand Slam title in Australia this year. She made the final at Indian Wells. She's just playing so well. And I feel like we've talked about, you know, you, you mentioned her serve being a struggle in the past and just the way that she's been able to combat that and just kind of turn that around and get get that aspect of her game back and just her consistency. I think that she's the player that she's always meant meant to be. And I feel like we're finally getting to see that. And I'm excited to see what the rest of the year looks like for her. Excited to see if she can, you know, dominate on any of the uh, these other surfaces. It'll be interesting to see. So you never know, but she's my number one for good reason. For good reason. And yeah, that's the right pick. That's that's who I also had. And number one is Arena Sabalenka. Uh, she started the year winning her first tournament in Adelaide, and then she carried that through and won her first major title uh, singles, I should say, at the Australian Open. Sure. She's, won, she's won some doubles majors. But yeah, just kind of, you know, getting that serve monkey off her back, getting the slam monkey off her back. She's, you know, you could see how much it meant to her when she won it. And it's definitely helped her. I think as the years sort of gone on, she's lost early in Indian Wells before. And so to, to make the final 
of that and just have the results she's having. I mean, she's like 21 and three in the first three months of the year uh, with two titles, Crazy. final <laughs> Indian Wells. So yeah, I think uh, with the major sort of being the benchmark is the only, it's the only major in the first three months and she won it. And uh, yeah, so I think you got to give it to her and especially like in the past at some of the majors for singles, she's faltered when it mattered most. I mean, at the U S open 2021, she was playing Fernandez and and lost in three after sort of winning the second set and felt like she had the momentum and couldn't close it out against the teenager. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's well-deserved for her to finally get this one. And uh, yeah, feels like it's freed her up a little bit. So we'll see what, what happens with the clay and the grass. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know which I think grass is probably better for her game, but she hits it hard. Yeah. So you can get the ball through the court on the clay. She's making her shots. You never know. So she's a fun one to watch for sure. All right. Solid picks right there. Yep. So you had uh Rabakina Sviantek Sabalenka, and I had Kavitova Rabakina Sabalenka. Now we're going yeah. to the end with yep. uh starting with number three. Do you want to uh you want to tell us who you picked for number three? Yeah, so I am taking, I don't know if this is necessarily surprising, but I'm going to go with Novak Djokovic only because he wasn't able to play Miami and Dan Wells, but he did win the Australian Open. So, and of course he's Novak, but he just lost in Monte Carlo. Maybe not playing like quite his level of tennis at this point, but I just wondered what you think, Patrick, if, you know, it's really hurting his game, not being able to play in the U S tournaments like Indian Wells, Miami. Yeah. It, it definitely doesn't help uh, that he doesn't have the big match experience, like going into, you know, like a restart for him. Um, you know, all these players have been playing a lot of tennis recently, even though it hasn't necessarily been on clay, but yeah, he, he obviously would have liked to be there. And I think at this point, you know, the tournaments clearly stated they wanted him there, but you know, as a result of his choices, he, uh, you know, he isn't able to enter the U S so yeah, I, I think that, you know, he's still Djokovic and still, I think once we get to Roland Garros, uh, or any three out of five set tournament, uh, it's going to be a different story yeah. to upset him, but yeah, he, um, he would have liked to play more tennis in the first three months. That's for sure. So for sure. Yeah. So he's my number three. Still got that, you know, grand slam at the beginning of the year. Can't, can't really discount that. So not bad. You'll take it. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> All right. I had a number three. I had Carlos Alcaraz. While he's been one of the two that's had the number one ranking between him and Djokovic bouncing back and forth, you know, he, he definitely is someone who hasn't played as much tennis as he would have liked in the first three months of the year, having to miss the Australian Open. Uh, with an injury and then he won Buenos Aires and he got to the finals in Rio and uh, and then he had to I'm trying to think did he pull out of one more tournament somewhere maybe Guadalajara I think I don't know he you know he came back and won Indian Wells which was amazing um, for his like I don't know I wouldn't say little tennis but he, he didn't play as much as he wanted to and, and we didn't even pick him in our Indian Wells draft because we thought oh, he's kind <laughs> Big of a mistake yeah so he's been back and forth these injuries a little bit so we weren't totally sure and then he just won indian well so that was great for him um you know the matches that he has played he's he's 18 and 2 on the year uh he lost to center in the miami open semis so you know that's a 
not like it's a bad loss or anything. They they always have great matches, and that was by far, you know, that just being in a part of that match should probably boost him up because that was, yeah, one of the most fun matches of the year, and I, I was lucky enough to actually get to be at it. And it's crazy watching Alcaraz this year at the Miami Open versus seeing him last year there because people really yeah. Really- year but like he's a mega star now that he's won the u.s open and and has been the number one player and is still a teenager like he he basically sold out hard rock stadium every time he played uh it was always full for him with all these rain delays and stuff there was actually one night where he was supposed to play it got rained out and postponed to the next day and so all the people that had night session tickets for that night the Miami Open at first gave them tickets to the day session of the next day, but Alcaraz wasn't going to play until the night session of the next day. So all these people complain, like we bought tickets to see Alcaraz. Like that's who we want to see, you know, like all the support chats in our app were about like, when's Alcaraz going to play? You know, like, <laughs> and, uh, and then the Miami Open credit to them, all the, they switched the tickets. So the people that they gave oh. the day session, they said, okay, we'll switch it tonight. So you can see Alcaraz. So yeah, that, that match specifically versus center that ended up, I think oh. being a match where they all got to see it. And yeah, it was, it was packed and, uh, it was, well, and what a freaking match. Yeah. I it mean, was, it was so to sick. get to go to <laughs> that's insane. At the end. I mean, center was playing mm-hmm. great, but, but Alcaraz definitely, um, wasn't on, uh, he, he was kind of running on E it seemed like at the end there. So, but yeah, he's still been number one for, half of the start of the year and uh his fan support is unmatched and he still won a title and did well in some of the other tournaments he played in so i've got him at uh number three yeah so i have him at my second spot and uh, literally like everything that we just talked about i mean this guy i'm really excited to see what he can do in q2 clay season uh we know that that is his specialty and he's playing in Barcelona right now. So that's nice to see. I think he had to pull out of Monte Carlo, yeah. um, but back on the court, back on the clay, excited to see what he can do. Uh, hard court, obviously another strong suit. I just feel like he's just, he's kind of unstoppable. And yeah, like you said, those injuries haven't really held him down too far. So yeah, fun to watch when he's healthy and uh Yeah not super tired like i don't know who can beat him frankly he just beat uh batista Agut in the in the um oh geez what tournament is this i'm i get so it's barcelona uh, is it barcelona he's, he's he just beat batista Agut like literally right now six three seven five so he's uh there we go getting the train going i mean everybody knows he's a great clay court player um he would actually say that he's best on hard course at this point but yeah He's probably going to be one of those all-around guys. It'd be interesting to see how he does at Wimbledon and uh, the grass tournaments this year. Yeah, yeah. The grass season will be – that'll be fun. All right, so that was your number two. I had Daniel Medvedev at number two. He's won the most tournaments of this year for sure. You know, he's won Rotterdam, Doha, Dubai, and most recently he won Miami. He's beaten Novak twice on the way to some of these these titles. Um or I'm sorry, not twice. What am I saying? He's just beaten him one time um, on the way to the Dubai title, I believe. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, 30 and three. So that's not a bad record. Um, and yeah, no. 
winning like four tournaments in a row. And, and he was even in the finals of Indian Wells. So he was in like five finals in a row and won four of them. So uh, that's pretty good. I just have him at number two because he hasn't been one of the two players in the number one spot. Uh, so maybe you can figure out who I put at number <laughs> one, but I've got, I've got, him <laughs> so he's, he's feeling good going into, into the clay where he's not always uh, the strongest, but he's, he's having some decent clay results compared to previous years. So we'll see how he can keep that, keep that going. Yeah. So he's actually who I picked as my top spot just because of the results that he's put up with the exception of the Australian open, which we talked about that just not being, you know, what he wanted this year, but all those other tournaments that he's won Miami is huge. And then making the, like you said, making the final at Indian Wells and then turning around and win, winning Miami. I mean, that's a big, big deal. He's playing super consistent. And I don't know, you've talked to him. I haven't been at Miami, so I haven't had the chance to talk to him, but I just feel like he's a player that just seems to be pretty genuine and down to earth. And like, he always seems to give really a lot of respect to his fans. I don't know. He just seems like one of those types of guys off the court. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best interviews um, from the media side. Like he he doesn't just give short answers or whatever. He always says something that's, you know, funny or yeah. So he, he's a good guy and um, he respects the media. He he understands the role of it. And um, yeah, he's just he's fun on the court. Like even at Indian Wells, it's well known that he does not like those tennis courts because they're really slow and he <laughs> As you can see in clay, you know, also slow surface. He's not a huge fan. He likes fast, hard courts. Uh, so he was joking, you know, like when he got to the finals of Indian Wells in the speech, he like thanked the court. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, he always just does funny stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you know, last year when he lost that final to Rafa in Australia, it kind of like derailed his year. It felt like, um, cause he was up two sets to love in that match and, and Rafa came all the way back. It was insane, but he, he didn't have very good results after that, you know, really for the year he, he had underwhelming results for what he's able to achieve. And so losing early in the Australian open this year, it's kind of had like an opposite effect. He's like been more motivated. It seems like, and, again, has won four of five tournaments after that, uh, did really well at Indian Wells, his best result ever that, uh, at that tournament, even though he doesn't like the courts and he started, you know, do decent on clay, um, compared to previous years. So yeah, watch out for Medvedev. He's starting to, I don't know, he's, he's figuring it out how to win on the surfaces he doesn't necessarily like. So yeah. We'll see. All right. Number one, I had, Novak Djokovic, uh, as you could probably guess from what I said earlier, <laughs> but I I've got him, you know, he, he won the only major that's in the first three months of the year. So there's that, uh, he's been ranked number one back and forth with Alcaraz, uh, to, to the start of the year. He's won most of the matches he's played, um, for as much time as he like, you know, misses tournaments and has to sit out and all this stuff. Like he's still for the most part, when he plays, it counts. It does seem recently that he's he's got a little bit of an injury. Um, so mm -hmm. we'll see. Granted that that was in April, so we don't have to worry about that loss that he had had there. But um, yeah, I, I just think that like you know I, I don't agree with his stance on a lot of things, but um, the fact that when he does play, especially at the majors, he always makes it count, and he's got that twenty second major, and he's tied with Rafa, and it seems a sure thing he'll end up with that record. So. I think uh, just big picture. I've got to say Djokovic for number one. 
That's a good pick. I mean, can't, yeah, can't discount him. Doesn't mean if you agree or not, but he is, I mean, he's the best of the best. So yeah. Yeah. It's, we're all waiting for that Alcaraz Djokovic match. That's going to be oh. whatever it does. Yes. One Adam, day. I should clarify. Cause they have played yes. last year on the clay, but we, we want the major matchup. Particularly it'd, it'd be sweet if it was a final, like, I don't know. Cause Rafa keeps pulling out all these tournaments. So, you know, I mean, if you play, if he, is in the draw for Roland Garros. Nadal is the favorite, no matter what. But if he's not, or if he loses early because he's hurt, we'll see. I just hope that Djokovic and Alcaraz, they should be on opposite halves of the draw. So, see what happens. That would be un- unreal. Yeah. Tennis history right there. Okay, so uh, for top three, you had Djokovic, Alcaraz, Medvedev, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had Alcaraz, Medvedev, Djokovic going 3-2-1. So same players, different order. And yep. Yeah, some some fun starts of the year for sure for some of the on-court stuff. But we want to talk about the close now because we can't always <laughs> just talk about the serious, you know, results, who's winning, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about some some uh, some kits. Who? We'll do top three. Which brands did you think had the best start to the year in terms of their fits? or anything else yeah um for my third spot i'm going to go with fila i just feel like you can't go wrong with fila they always have just like i guess clean is kind of the word that i would use to describe i just like the look they never have super crazy patterns sometimes they do bright more vibrant colors but i feel like overall it's just you mentioned like a classic brand you yeah. just can't go wrong. They've got some good players, Isner, Rogers, yeah. you know, players that are American people like them. They're just a good brand. Good Popperin quality. Did, uh, Popperin was a fun one to watch at the Australian. Oh yeah. He was wearing that, that like kind of, is it blue almost or like, uh, yeah. Kind of between a blue and green, but yeah, I like when Fila keeps it simple and does kind of just like classic colors and stuff. Sometimes yep. get super colorful. I don't know. You know, that's it's a that's little surprising. Much. Some people like it, some people don't, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the brand that created the Bjorn Borg shirt. So that's maybe the most iconic tennis uh piece of tennis apparel there is. So can't go wrong with Fila, like you said. Nope. I had at number three New Balance because they've got a lot of momentum, it feels like. They've got, you know, at the Australian Open, they had Tommy Paul who made the semis and then Shelton wasn't even under contract. He was just wearing it because he has the same agent as Coco Goff, who is signed to New Balance. So that was that was nice for New Balance that he was wearing their clothing during, you know, a quarterfinal run at his first major. Uh, Crazy. Out of the country, I should say. So and then those two, Tommy Paul and Ben Shelton played in the quarters. So that was that was great for them. Obviously, they have Coco Goff, who, you know, whether it's on the singles or doubles court is always, you know, somewhere close to a final or winning. So um, and then, you know, Jordan Thompson, shout out, kind of one of the, the players that, you know, doesn't get talked about a lot, but is always is always around. You know, he's always at every tournament, it feels like. Um, and he upset Sitsipas in the second round of the Indian Wells tournament recently. So. Yeah, they've had some good stuff. I like their commercials. Um, I actually just saw a New Balance basketball commercial watching the playoffs, and it's the same song. Oh, 
it's the same song as what they use for the Coco Goff commercial where it's like, hey, you. And like, she's just being fun and useful and all that. It's like, <laughs> New Balance, we got now. You know, that's like their slogan. But it was the exact same ad. They just swapped out Coco Goff for basketball players. But uh, I, I like it, that. Versatile. Yeah, it's just exciting to see that the New Balance is making tennis commercials. Um, so it feels like they've got a lot of momentum in tennis and want to keep seeing it. I know we both like the the off court stuff from them. So, yeah, that that's exactly it. That's why it's my number two pick because off court, I feel like New Balance used to be kind of maybe not hated on, but not as well like not as popular because they used to be associated with like the old man shoe. Yeah. And I feel like that has completely changed. And now the old man shoe is the style. It's what all the TikTokers are wearing. It's what all the young kids are wearing. I have a pair and they're so comfortable. They're oh, yeah. so cute. You can put them with your little ankle above the ankle socks, little kind of 90s vibe because that's back in style. Love them. But they're on court stuff as well. Like you said, they've got some young players. We love to see that. I, re- I remember last year, Coco wore this really sparkly, fun outfit in uh, Silicon Valley. So I feel like they kind of play well with the younger crowd. And I just really like their kits. They've done well so far. And one of the few brands that's like got a signature product for one of the players with the Coco Golf shoes. There's not, yeah. a, not a ton of tennis brands that are like promoting a you know, shoe that's just like designed by this player and it's their signature shoe. So like to see that for sure. Number two. And her shoes were really cool. You saw them in Miami. Yeah, for sure. The high top. Very cute. Number two, I had the old swoosh right here on my shirt, Nike. They, uh, they definitely had the most talked about um, apparel piece, I would say for all of, you know, Q1, they've, they've got the Tiafo, what sort of looks like a romper, but it's like shorts and a tank. They just had the same crazy colorful pattern on it. Whether people were talking about it because they didn't like it or because they did like it, you know, that's that's up to you to decide. But it's uh, it definitely got the most talk per usual. They, they always know how to do that. And then there was like a meme with Tiafo and Harry Styles because they, <laughs> whatever Harry wore at some event kind of looked like that that outfit that Tiafo had on. So anytime we can get tennis associated with Harry Styles and talked about, you know, in pop culture, tennis will take it. We're, uh, yeah, happy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and really in a year where Nike's cutting back with how many players they're sponsoring and stuff like that, um, you know, they still know how to be talked about and, and to honestly be worn by the best players for the most part. So, yeah, yeah, they're a great pick, which is why they're my number one. And I, I am going with it because I am a huge fan of biker shorts and I'm loving that, like Azarenka, Sabalenka, you mentioned Bianca Andreescu wearing these biker shorts with the cropped Nike tank. I'm here for it. We love to see it. That is like my style. And I like that the women are getting to wear shorts. Yeah. I think that's fun. And Nike's doing a really good job with pairing the black biker shorts with like a fun colored top, but yeah. still keeping the pattern simple versus the men's kits, which I still like, like what like you mentioned, Tiafo, the kind of swirl. I liked those though. That was a good look. Yeah. Nike, uh, Nike does a great job as as little as they're focused on tennis um 
yeah, they, they still probably have the best clothing and uh, yeah. the shoes. And yeah, they've got a lot of experience outside tennis that probably helps, but, and they've got a lot of money, frankly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Nike, uh, the, the, you can't go wrong with those guys. So, but I didn't have them at number one just because I feel like a new brand's kind of got some, it's getting a lot of talk anyway. And that is on running on oh, yeah. uh, just recently signed Igus Fiontech and Ben Shelton, which I think are two really cool signings. Obviously Iga, who is with ASICS, she's, you know, been number one for a while and kind of dominant in the last year and a half or so. So that's a great signing for them. And then also Ben Shelton, who is new to the pro tennis tour and uh, is, is having some strong results to start, you know, in his first full year, obviously making the quarters at AO. Now, granted, he wasn't wearing the on at that point, but he has kind of become a lot of people's one of people's favorite players. And so for on to to sign him up and uh, yeah, we'll see what kind of results he can start to have. But yeah, I they've done a really, really great job for just kind of breaking in. And, uh, obviously they've got, they've got fed, got the big man on their <laughs> side and, uh, saying Madison that if you just bring Federer to the meeting, any player <laughs> is going to sign on that dotted line. I don't care what you're Oh, you're not paying me. Uh, you know what? That's fine. Like as long as like <laughs> Raj, our families can go on vacation as long as, you know, you oh, okay. that, like we'll come down to Dubai and hang out with you. Like it'll be great. Um, yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need is all you need little Raj persuasion. So (laughs) love it. Love to see it. And not to mention the Ben Shelton clothes were cool. So I kind of want those. I really did like those. Yeah. They looked great. Exciting for him too. Like you said, he's just, just kind of like the talk of tennis, you know, since Australia generating a lot of fans. So that's very cool to that. He's going to be wearing that brand. So love to see it. No doubt. Okay. So you had, Fila, New Balance, Nike, and I had New Balance, Nike on. Uh, so that's that's who we're saying, guys. If you if you uh, disagree with us, don't add us. But anyway, <laughs> you can add us. You can add us. Uh, okay, a little drama. Yeah, we like it. We like it. <laughs> All right, so those are our rankings for the first quarter of the year. We'll do this each quarter and. Uh, before we do that, though, we've got an exciting back half of the show coming up after this quick break. We may be talking which tennis players today can we compare to Taylor Swift's discography, right, Madison? Yep. I could not be more excited for this. So yeah. shout out to Patrick for going along with it. But we know he's a fellow Swifty at heart. So uh-huh. easy persuasion. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Madison's going to help me through it. I, uh, I've got, <laughs> I feel good about my picks, but. Uh, I know some of the albums better than others, so we'll see. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I really could not be more excited for this next category that we're going to do. And I don't know if, you know, our listeners are aware of this, but Taylor Swift, who I feel is the music industry, is currently on the biggest tour of the music industry and of her career right now. It's called the Eras Tour. And a thing you got to know about Taylor Swift is she doesn't just have albums. She has eras, okay? So Patrick and I, and by that I mean, I thought it would be really fun for us to go through and pick some players and compare them to Taylor Swift eras slash albums. 
So how this is going to work is we're going to go down the line. Patrick and I are going to take turns. Taylor Swift has 10 albums. So we have five WTA players and five ATP players that we feel best resemble these albums. So we're going to go ahead and take turns and we're going to start from the top with her debut era. So this was her self-titled album, Taylor Swift. She was 16 when this came out. Okay. Jeez. Big deal. Think very youthful. This was her country era, playful blues, greens for colors, Tim McGraw, teardrops on my guitar. Some, some notable songs from that album, Patrick, go ahead and give us your ATP pick for the debut Taylor Swift album. I, I didn't know she was 16 when that came out. That's crazy. She was. Yeah. I mean, I remember those songs very well. And obviously we thought she was going to be like a country star when she, uh, for, and she was, but she uh, showed she has a little more variety. Eh? So yeah, for, for this first era though, debut Tim McGraw, blue and green, youthful. I went with Ben Shelton, go Gators. Uh, you know, this guy, can't you just see him in like a country music video, just like kind of wearing the cowboy hat, like all this, like I could see Ben Shelton doing that. I mean, Florida's the South, right? Technically. Uh, the Gators, blue and green. You know, I know orange is also one of their colors. That's probably more blue and orange is like their main colors, but green, I mean, you know, the Gators green, so. Exactly. So that's that's who I've got for for Ben Shelton. I mean, youthful, blue and green, just ma making a huge debut uh, debut with the quarterfinal resort. Yeah, I can't talk. Quarterfinal result at the Australian Open. So he's not quite sixteen; he's twenty, I think. But that's <laughs> not still, quite, but still <laughs> still youthful. So what do you think of that? Does that does he kind of that's that's great. I I feel like that's a great pick. You did it. You did that justice for sure. Um, so it's actually funny that you picked him <laughs> because the next album is Fearless. And we did Taylor's version just because she now owns that album. If you don't know, she re-recording her first five albums because she can own them now. So anyways, Taylor's Fearless version, White Horse, Fearless tracks on that one. Um, this is another country album. Kind of more about love and there are a couple breakup anthems in there, but think like country, sparkly, tassel, gold, white. I also picked Ben Shelton for this. And I picked it because the album is entitled Fearless. And I feel like that's how Ben plays. Um, he's also very flashy. And I feel like Fearless is kind of a flashy album. If you see her perform these songs, she's usually in a sparkly outfit. She's got the sparkly guitar feel like that embodies Ben and like Patrick said he would fit really well in a country music video so that's a good one yeah. I'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll see it at one of these like tournaments in Texas you know if he plays they're gonna make him wear like a hat, cowboy hat <laughs> like that one is, but... for sure and he would do it we know he, he would, would do it so yeah. on running uh make him a sparkly outfit for one of these <laughs> yeah. ah. embody that embody that fearless debut taylor swift with some sparkle ta tassel even whatever you <laughs> want to throw on it um okay so next album her third album speak now this is where the infamous enchanted beautiful song also haunted long live of course the title track speak now think purple sparkle this has some sad songs on there another country album but this was when she was 20 so she's a little bit older kind of breaking into she's totally found her voice and it's completely self-written this album so 
Patrick, you selected a WTA player for this. Who do you have? Wait, can you tell me why is the song um, infamous, Enchanted? It's uh, so it kind of is about the lead singer of Owl City is the rumor. Um, so I don't know. I don't personally believe that because I just don't. I just couldn't picture it. But yeah. Enchanted is just it's one of her mo more famous ones. And I feel like it's pe something that people go absolutely feral for. It's the only song from the Speak Now era on tour that she sings. So okay. Enchanted you haven't heard it, give it a listen, but who do you have for your WTA player? Yeah. Not because she's infamous, but I've got <laughs> Jess Pagula for oh. now because Jess just came out with a great players tribune article about her mom. If, uh, if you haven't read it, that was amazing. And, and, you know, probably not easy for her to write because yeah, just what she and her family had gone through with, with her mom and, and, you know, honestly with the owning the bills and the DeMar Hamlin thing and all that, it was really cool to see yeah. Jess kind of speak about that. I also think of Purple as like, you know, Jess, she won her biggest title last year at the um, WTA 1000 in Guadalajara, which she was wearing kind of an outfit that had purple on it. Uh, I think the Guadalajara courts even for the WTA 1000 are like purple or like, or pink maybe. Um, Look at that. Just confirm. I'm pretty sure they're. Yeah, bodies speak now. Exactly. There, the Guadalajara court is purple on the inside and then gray on the outside. So, yeah, that's why I, uh, I kind of thought it, it was just perfect for for Jess, and I want to make sure to get her in there because she is no doubt one of our favorite players. And I know for she sure. listens to country music because she was telling us in Miami how she drives to the tournament from her house because she lives in Boca. So she was talking about like, yeah, it's just like a commute for me, just like any other job. Uh, but I asked her what she listens to and she said either podcasts or uh, country music usually. So got to get her in there. There we go. Still country. That was a really, that's a really good pick. Like I'm impressed. A lot of, a lot of detail went into that. So very yeah, well done. Okay. No, that was really good. Um, next is Red, Taylor's version. And we're doing Taylor's version because All Too Well 10-Minute Version is on the Taylor version of the Red album. And this other notable tracks, I Knew You Were Trouble, We Are Never Getting Back Together, 22, and of course, All Too Well 10-Minute Version. And this would be considered as kind of her pop country crossover album. Mm -hmm. She still has some songs on there that are you know, country, but then she's venturing into the pop with a, we're never getting back together. I knew you were trouble. And this is also a breakup album, breakup, fall. Think that leaves are falling. You're crying breakup album. I feel okay, like so I, fall albums, you know, <laughs> yeah, she does. She really does. There's a lot of fall tracks. Uh, so I picked an ATP player for this and I'm going with Tommy Paul. Oh. And I think, so I have one reason is to do with the fact that he's had some relationships and he's gone through some breakups. So we know he's, you know, listen, I'm sure he's listened to some T-Swift. Another reason is his new girlfriend, Paige Lorenz, really like them together. I ship that relationship. She's very into like outdoorsy fall activities. They're in the uh, like East Coast countryside. So it kind of rem reminded me of like a Taylor Swift all too well music video. Also, I felt like the transition that Tommy Paul has made from maybe taking tennis kind of seriously 
to becoming a very serious and talented tennis player. I felt like that fit. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, he switched to a red racket at the beginning of this year. You didn't notice he used to use the Wilson Spade, <laughs> which is a green racket. And now he's on the Yonix V-Core and that's, that's a red racket and he's had some great results. So one other layer that you didn't even Look know. Was that. No. Patrick coming in with like the facts about the colors. I love it. We're red here for scarf, it. red racket, you know, <laughs> same thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to cross over to what I call the Bible of pop, which is Taylor Swift's album, 1989. I don't care if that's dramatic. I, I stand by that. Uh, notable tracks from this one, Shake It Off, Blank Space, Out of the Woods, Grammy, Sweep, Taylor, Bob era. Her hair was cut short for this era. It was a very fun, sparkle tassel. Patrick, you selected an ATP player for this one, which might have been a little difficult, but who do you got? I did uh, the, the Bible of pop. I for this one for ATP I I thought it kind of had to have somebody that just like you know has had the greatest hits and uh that's got to be Roth and Nadal. There we go. I think he was I think he turned pro in 1989. Oh no no wait that's not right. No. <laughs> he was he was born in 86. But it feels like he's been on tour for a long time. Obviously he's had different eras, you know, and just in terms of like outfits and stuff. Um shake it off. He's he's had a lot of injuries this guy. Uh, especially as of late, but he can always shake it off and literally like win another <laughs> grand slam. I mean, that's freaking crazy, honestly. So if he wins this Roland Garros, by the way, if Rafa wins Roland Garros, it might be like the most impressive thing that's ever happened in tennis. Like the guy can't even play any of these tournaments leading up to it. We'll see. I mean, he's got a hip injury. It's a serious thing. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I just... The guys won 22 Grand Slams. So many cool things to talk about. You know, honestly, if Federer was uh, still playing, he might be in this convo too, just because if we're talking Bible of pop um, and, <laughs> you know, Grammy sweep, Rafa's really good on clay. You got to sweep that clay. You got to, you know, make there it we go. nice and neat after each match. So yeah, I'm going with, I'm going with Nadal. Universally liked for the most part. That's, yeah. That, what a great pick. That is very 1989. That is very 1989. I love it. Okay. Now we will transition to reputation for those that are not aware. This was Taylor Swift kind of was not in the public eye for an entire year after the whole Kanye releasing the song with a lyric that was kind of insulting to Taylor Swift, kind of snake-like doing that without her permission, <laughs> all this drama she comes out with an album entitled Reputation and think snakes, black, sparkle, revenge, and uh, notable tracks from this one, Look What You Made Me Do, Ready For It, End Game. So are you ready for it? Ooh, folks? snake. We're going to compare a player to a snake. This is how you gotta, I got to hear. <laughs> so I'm just thinking not because she's snake-like, but just because she kind of embodies this feisty revenge kind of came back better than ever. I'm going to take Arena Sabalenka. Mm. And I feel like she fits this really well because this album not only had a lot of fiery revenge tracks, but it also has some tracks like Delicate. And we've seen her be delicate in her purple AO championship dress. Um, so I feel like 
this just really sums up arena it's fiery she's feisty on court she hits hard taylor swift came back hard with this album and i think arena is reputation there we go well it's funny that uh well why don't you why don't you explain the next uh okay okay uh so next album very opposite of reputation it's the lover album self-entitled track lover you need to calm down me think pink happy love pop very happy positive album about her uh very recent ex-boyfriend joe alwyn r.i.p but uh patrick you picked a wta player for this so who do you got it's an omen of breakups we don't want we don't want to no we don't want that that. that. it's a a happy album but it's funny you took her for the the dark revenge like hits hard (laughs) I'm taking Sabalenka for this one because she is like super outgoing, very fun, just like happy all the time when you when you talk to her off the court and stuff. She's like very bubbly. Um, and you you said the dress was purple. I don't know. It's up for debate. The AO uh, dress that she wore for the trophy shot. <laughs> I it, It's close to pink. So I think that That's is true. Really- and then honestly, she really loves to plug her boyfriend these days. Like you can tell how excited she is to have a boyfriend. I don't know if it's like the first one she's had or if she's had a few or, or she just really likes this one specifically, but she likes to plug like, oh yeah, I need to ask my boyfriend. Like when she says it, it's like, it's like, oh, I have a boyfriend. Oh, wow. Like <laughs> she's, she's hyped about it. So yeah, I thought, I thought Sabalenka went really good with this. Um She's just in a great space right now. And uh, yeah, she crushed it with that pink dress. So I want to go. That's a a good pick. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Now that you're saying that, I feel like it does lean more towards pink. I was thinking lavender in my head, but now that I'm kind of recollecting, I feel like it was like, I don't know if it's a fuchsia or what you could call it, but I think pink is correct. So there we go. I think maybe that Sabalanka's on-court personality works for uh, reputation. And I think for her off court, we've got lover, you know, there so we go. Two sides she can embody both, yeah. both eras of Taylor Swift arena is both. We love it. Okay. Next album, COVID totally changing gears from anything Taylor Swift has ever done. This album was called folklore and it was another Grammy winning album. It was her COVID album. She gave us no, you know, she calls them Easter eggs where she really puts a lot of plugs and surprises to kind of lead you up to what album is next. We didn't get that. She just said one morning, my album's releasing tomorrow. Here you go. August, the one cardigan, very woodsy. So I'm picking a WTA player for this and I've got to go with the resident Swifty herself, Miss Igas Fiontek. And not only that folklore is her favorite album and seven is her favorite song off of folklore. So there was no, better choice than Iga. I also feel like her personality, a little bit more muted, reserved, kind of like this album. You don't get a lot of like super poppy or super kind of revenge tracks. It's a lot more calm, like you're driving up to go camping. And I feel like Iga, she's calm, collected, consistent. So is this album. Yeah. I'm trying to find a picture of her wearing a cardigan, just like (laughs) her layer. Cause I- I'm sure she's for sure done it. I bet she's got that in her wardrobe somewhere. Unfortunately, all these pictures are tennis pictures. So <laughs> she doesn't pull on a cardigan after a match, unfortunately. Not yet. Not yet. But on, if you're listening, cardigan. We want to see it. 
get it ready. <laughs> nice. No, that's, that's yeah. a good one. So that's who I've got. And then transitioning the sister album to Folklore, Evermore, another kind of woodsy fall, equally as sad, if not more sad, I would say. Um, notable tracks from this one, Champagne Problems, Willow, Tis the Season. Patrick, you picked a WTA player for this. Oh, sorry, ATP player for this. Who did you select? Okay, not that he's a sad boy or anything, but I picked someone who I think really resembles fall. Like you could, you can picture this guy in like a puffer vest or like, you know, just going to the apple orchard, like doing whatever. I got Casper Rude. Oh, great. Woodsy fall album. I've heard him called the Oatmeal Stallion by I think Racket Mag. Somebody over there called him that. <laughs> like he's just kind of, you know, He's like kind of a, a hipster, I feel like. He's very multidimensional, Casper. You know, he plays tennis, he plays golf, and yet he still can kind of be like this hip guy with his, I don't know if you saw, he was, was it GQ or one of those like yes. mags? Yeah, he he was he crushed that. I think he wears some turtlenecks oh. and stuff. He uh, did. He might have even had a cardigan at one point. Yeah, and, uh, you know, champagne problems, just talking about that, like, he, he was toasting champagne big time at the end of last year when he, you know, he got to the final of the U S open. Then he got to go on this like dream trip with Nadal to South America and do all these like exhibition events. Like Nadal is his hero since he's a little kid. So to get to go on this trip with him, I'm sure he just thought was like amazing, but then he didn't have the results to start this year that maybe he wanted. And people were like, yeah, was it because you weren't training hard enough? Cause you were on that trip with Nadal and so, you know, maybe he's got a little champagne problems to start the year. Uh, but speaking of tis the season, we're on to clay now. And uh, Casper, <laughs> they call him. this is his best surface by far. He made the Roland Garros final last year, as maybe you saw in Breakpoint or just from watching tennis uh, as well. But yeah, I, I think this is uh, his season and, and he's done pretty well so far. So, yeah, I got I got Casper Rude, the oatmeal stallion forevermore. Yep. Tis the damn season for Clay. There we go. Great pick. He's exactly who I was hoping you would take forevermore. So I'm very oh, impressed. Okay. That's You've easy. been spot on. It's it's great. Uh -huh. Um, so if you know, if anyone has any free Taylor Swift tickets, Patrick, I'm sure would go. Yeah, if free. You, I'm sure people free. are just giving away. You know, I heard they were pretty <laughs> yeah. Good to get. And, uh, yeah, it just 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 you like got an extra ticket. Put it in the comment section. Okay. And we'll, we'll get to that next week. Uh, okay. Last album, her current era that she's in, and this is midnight. So this is her newest album, her 10th album, very iconic record breaking most on Spotify, most on Apple music ever streamed by any artist. So broke a lot of records, notable tracks, lavender, haze, antihero, bejeweled, um, very excited for this one. She's a little bit, this album's a little bit more experimental, kind of something different. I feel like Taylor Swift is really good at evolving and changing and adapting. And the player that I actually picked for that is Coco Goff. Okay. And I feel like she kind of embodies that same thing. She is ever changing her game. She, you know, is able to adapt on court. She kind of gives us a variety with her hits, with her outfits with everything that she's got, I just feel like she fits this really well. And she also just kind of has a lot of like multi-talents. And I just feel like Midnight's is a good album that embodies Coco Goff. 
Yeah. The next generation, you know? Yeah. I feel like if we did a male player for this, I feel like Joe has been pretty good in this one. I mean, (laughs) breaking all the records. He wears blue a lot, it seems like, with his Lacoste getups. I mean, I know he's wearing red now, but he he wears blue a lot. Anti-hero. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, we could talk all day. I'm trying to think. I think I had Fearless TV Alcaraz was one that I, I wrote like could have been in there as well you know like <laughs> that guy's fearless he is fearless that is for sure and he's young I mean she was only 19 when that album came out or 18 so yeah man all right well there it is that's the definitive uh comparison of tennis players to Taylor Swift <laughs> not albums eras eras folks eras yeah so if any if anyone you know is listening comment below tell us if you agree disagree if you have anything that you would rather someone that you think embodies a certain era more but I feel like I will also like to say I I think we could potentially see a tennis player or two attend one of these Taylor Swift shows at some point I think it's a very strong possibility ego would probably be the one of them all to attend but you never know so we could see some tennis players there yeah, she for sure. Uh, she told us in San Diego last year that she was listening to, to Taylor's new album. So that was last October. Would that have been Midnight's? When did Midnight's Yep. Come? Yeah, Midnight's came out in October. Okay, yeah, there you go. Man, we're going to have to do more of these. I feel like these are pretty fun to compare. These are fun. We'll, do, we'll obviously pick different artists, but I could talk about Taylor Swift until the end of time. But uh, Patrick, I think that you've earned... If you want it, a Swifty badge today. I think that oh, you did. Badge. <laughs> I get a badge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get you. A, I'll send a badge over to Milwaukee for you. But <laughs> you did a great job. Uh, appreciate you going with the flow on this. But it was really fun. So I decided to do a little fun episode for you guys. We hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next time. <laughs>